Thank you so much and a big welcome to everybody in all our Kingsgate centres. Haven't we had a great September, early October season with our 30 days of prayer and fasting and blessing and amazing celebrations in Peterborough and then Cambridge, Leicester and London too. Exciting times and particularly exciting that we are looking to the future and to all that the Lord has for us in transforming our lives and many more people's lives by the power of God's love. Can you say an amen to that? That's what we're going for. And so this series is designed to deepen what God is doing in our lives and prepare us for all that he has for us around this whole theme of the beauty of a transformed life. There is something incredibly beautiful and wonderful about a life that God transforms. And so what we're looking at is the four key elements of a transformed life that we've simplified and summarized as being a journey of knowing God, living in freedom, growing in community, and making a difference. And so my privilege today is to look at part two of knowing in God, particular emphasis on how we can grow in knowing God. You know, any important relationship needs to be worked on if it's to grow. Isn't that right? Uh, Karen and I met, as many of you know, uh, I was 18 and she was 19. And it was one of those kind of whirlwind, besotted romances uh, that, that kept going for about a year, 18 months. And then uh, they say, don't they, that love blinds. Have you ever heard that phrase? You know, nothing bad in either of us. And then suddenly we woke up to the fact that there were a few kind of challenges, a few differences, and we had to get serious about really getting to know one another and commit to one another if we were going to make this work. And so, uh, you know, I don't think I'm particularly complicated. I think I'm pretty easy to work out. Thank you. And while I found Karen intriguing, I must admit I found her a bit of a mystery. How many men can relate to that? Can I have a wave offering there? Yes, thank you. No, but the truth is, actually both of us had to make a commitment to get to know one another, and if you like, to reveal ourselves to one another. And thankfully, we had Jesus in our lives, which makes all the difference, and so we had to make changes, we had to learn to accommodate one another. Um, last month, we celebrated 33 years of marriage. That I talked to guys in the gym, people who, who are not part of church, and they, they look like I've been in prison. I say, no, it's great. It's fantastic. I can honestly say that not only do we know one another so much better, we love one another far more deeply when we first met. And so that's great. And yet somebody externally who has input into our lives just recently challenged and says, um, I want you to consider how you can enrich your relationship all the more. Because guess what? In any good relationship, there is always far more. And I believe that relates a little bit to our relationship with the Lord. You see, very often, but not always, people start <clears throat> with a sense of being on fire with the Lord. You know, I'm not suggesting everyone has to have a dramatic conversion, but there's the excitement of the first time you met with the Lord, and it's all new and wonderful. And then you realize that there's a cost to it. There's, it gets more and more beautiful and wonderful, but you have to dig in, and you have to go on a journey of knowing God. Uh, some of you here may have said, yeah, I, I started on my journey with the Lord years ago, and actually, if I'm honest, I got a bit stuck. 
Other of us, others of us maybe where we say, no, we have been going for years and you know it gets better and better. But can I say wherever we're at on our spiritual journey, when it comes to knowing our glorious God, the eternal creator, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, there is so much more. I don't want any of us to think that we've arrived. And so this knowing God isn't just for if you haven't yet started on the journey, although it's very much for you. This is for all of us because we've got depths to plumb, we've got heights to to scale because God is amazing. And so I want to encourage all of us, let's make a commitment to go on a journey of knowing God better. And here again, we're going to be looking at the character we're studying, which is the first century disciple, Peter. Peter was uniquely positioned to demonstrate, if you like, this journey of knowing God. I mean, he was there, wasn't he? Uh, In Jesus' own earthly ministry, he saw most of the major highlights of Jesus' ministry. And as we saw last week, as Andrew unpacked something of the high points of, of Peter's journey, how when he first met Jesus and Uh, in John 1 through to one of his last encounters in John 21. We saw a beautiful picture of how Jesus transforms Peter from one encounter to the next. What I want to do is kind of continue on looking at how Jesus transformed Peter and kept working in him after Jesus had gone to heaven. And why is that important? Because much as it would have been amazing, I'm sure, to have been there, um, when, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration had been amazing, wouldn't it have been there to feed the 5,000? The good news is we have it recorded in the scriptures for us, so we can revisit that. But we're not there with Jesus physically, so we need to learn from Peter, as it were, post the ascension, how do we as Christians today grow in knowing a God we can't see? Have you ever wondered that? Do you ever find it challenging? And, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the two primary ways that God worked in and through Peter and how he's worked in and through every other Christian and church since the ascension. Two main ways that God now makes himself known to us. One is through the Word, the Bible, and secondly, through the Holy Spirit. You, you know, you've heard the old adage, I know many of you, um, you know, all word and no spirit and we dry up all spirit and no word and we blow up but if we can have the spirit working with the word we grow up or we could say we grow in knowing God so what I want to do is I want to look at how we can grow in knowing God two things firstly I want us all together to go on a journey and make a commitment to feast on the word can we say that together feast on the word If I go back to my relationship with Karen, imagine if one day she comes up to me and says, Dave, I want to help you understand me better. So I've written a book called Everything About Karen. This book will tell you as a husband everything you need to know. Tell tell you what motivates me, what makes me happy, what makes me sad. If I'm a good husband, do you think I'll read it? If it's a long book and a bit involved... How many think I'll take the time to figure it out and study it? If, if, if she's given me the gift of something written down, rather than me second-guessing, how many guys have... No, 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 go. 
Rather than me second-guessing what she's really like, she actually has taken the time to put it all down and said, if you read this book, you will understand me in a way you couldn't possibly any other way. If I'm a good husband, would I read it? Would I study it if it needs studying? Would I seek to not just carry on in our relationship as if um, what I've read doesn't matter, but I say, oh, so that's, that's why you get irritated when I, I walk out of the house with my trousers and my socks. I mean, what's the big deal with that? That's why it bothers you when I walk around the house looking for my glasses and they're on my head. I mean, what? So why is it such a big deal? Anyway, but more importantly, she would begin to share who she is through that book and we would develop in our relationship if I read it and studied it. Well, I've got some great news for you when it comes to our relationship with God. God, the eternal God, has gone to extreme lengths to reveal himself to us Yes, in the person of Jesus, the living word, but also through his written word, the Bible. In fact, it's not so much a book, it's a library made up of 66 different books with different authors across the centuries. And in this book, and central to this book, is first and foremost God revealing himself to humanity. Can I say if God's done that, do you think it would behove us if we want to grow in knowing him to not just read it, but to study it, to allow our lives to be shaped by it and to base our revelation of God not on what culture says. Can I have an amen? amen? Not on what we might make up in our own minds, but we allow our revelation of who God is to be shaped by his revelation of himself to us. And so I don't know about you, I'm super grateful that we have the written word of God. And Peter, although he had spent these three and a half years observing, if you like, God in human form through Jesus, the Son of God. It's interesting, as soon as you see him in the early chapters of Acts, he's constantly, not just referring back to his meeting with Jesus, but more and more he's referring to what would have been their Bible, the Old Testament Scriptures. And then if you read the two letters that are attributed to him, 1 and 2 Peter, it's filled with references to the Scriptures. Why? Because Peter is modeling something for us. He's saying that post the Ascension, post Pentecost, Christians throughout the rest of history are going to grow in their knowledge of God and grow in knowing who God is, the depths, the heights, the breadth, the length of who he is by doing what? First and foremost, by feasting on the Word of God. And I think most strikingly of all, one of the most one of the most profound statements about the authority of Scripture and the fact that the Bible isn't just made up by man, but it's God's holy book to us, is found in 2 Peter chapter 1. You can read it in your own time, but Peter is recounting one of the high points of his journey with Jesus, which was the transfiguration. How many think it would have been amazing to have been there on that mount and to have seen Jesus glorified? And so Peter starts by you know, affirming the importance of that event. He uses words like, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So he was there. He said, we heard the voice. In other words, we really saw Jesus in all his glory. This was God revealing himself through his son. How do you think that's amazing? But what he doesn't do is say rather cheekily, and you should have been there, guys, because they weren't there. What he does is he goes on not to point 
continually to that account, but he says this stunningly in verse 19 of 2 Peter 1. We also have the prophetic message, that's code for the Old Testament prophets and the writings we have from them, as something completely reliable, and you do well to pay attention to it, to the Scriptures. Uh, other translations say, and we also have a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, what he's saying is, the revelation that I saw of Jesus will perfectly sync with the prophetic revelation of the Old Testament that pointed towards Jesus. It's all part of one revelation. And don't put store on a vision or a dream or an encounter you had unless it lines up with the prophetic revelation that's found in the Bible. It's the authority of the Word of God. And then in case we need a doubt, these are powerful, powerful verses about the Bible. It says this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to get complicated here, but it's basically a beautiful, probably almost like a central couple of verses on how we're to understand the Bible. Yes, they were written by human beings, but inspired by God, and therefore we have one unifying author of the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit. So when you read the Bible and it reveals who God is, can I say you can trust it, you can base not just your life, but your whole future on it, and you can know, how do I know what God is like? Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Feast on the Bible. And that will keep us strong and centered. If that wasn't enough, two chapters later, he then goes on and starts talking about Paul's letters, which at the time wouldn't have been part of the New Testament because you didn't yet have a New Testament. But Paul stunningly said, he said uh, Peter said a couple of things. First he says, and some of parts of Paul's letters are hard to understand. If you ever, if you ever find the Bible hard to understand, can I say you're in good company? So did Peter. But then he basically talked about Paul's letters as scriptures. And I think this is amazing. Before what we have known as the New Testament canon was written, there's Peter right there fairly shortly after the resurrection of Jesus declaring that we have a Bible from Genesis through to Revelation being formed so that we can have God's personal revelation to us. What does that mean? It means that little app you've got on your phone. It means that you version... Um, a website. It means the, the, the old-fashioned paper thing you've got called the Bible is God's Word, and we need to treasure it. We need to read it. We need to honor it. We need to feast on it because it is the primary way that we can accurately get a rev not just a revelation of who God is, but continually grow. How many want to grow in a revelation of God? And please don't think because you've read it You've got it because the whole principle of revelation is it, is it is there, but the Holy Spirit continually reveals more and more of God to us. Because guess what? He is not just the author. He is the interpreter of the Word of God. So every time you hear someone preaching, every time you sit down for your Bible, every time you listen to the Word of God, you can trust the one who lives on the inside of you wants to reveal more of the Father and the Son to you. Come on, let's give God praise for the gift of revelation. So if that's the case, what's our attitude? Well, if we go back to 1 Peter, 
Peter's got so much to say about this. In 1 Peter, Peter tells us what our attitude should be. 1 Peter 2, verse 2 to 3, he says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. And if you look in the context of what he's just said, that they're born again through the preaching of the word, I think it's clear. He's talking here, the milk is the word of God, so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. I'm sure we've all seen or heard a newborn baby crying for milk. Wah! Wah! How many know that you know, they're going to keep going until they get some milk? Some of you right now at home, that is your experience. We seem to be having a baby revival or explosion around this place. More and more babies, fantastic. But babies are hardwired, aren't they? Because they know that they've actually been biologically physiologically trained to cry because they know that they need milk to grow healthily. Now, what Peter is not saying is that we are, in this context, he's not actually making a point that to new Christians that we are babies. He's saying like newborn babes, all of us need to have a hunger, if you like, an intense desire for the Word of God in our lives Because just as a newborn baby, or can I say a child growing up, or even an adult needs milk and then food, so, listen to me, we need the Word of God if we're going to grow healthily, spiritually. So the problem is, is that um, very often we can end up starving ourselves spiritually. Let me ask you a question. Assuming you're not still fasting, and I know some people are, which is, which is amazing, but assuming you're not still fasting, normally how many meals a week would you have? More than one? Would you have more than one meal a day? Yeah, we, 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 you know, we're sort of trained, aren't we, to have two or three meals. How many sometimes have a snack in between? You know, and the little baby, they're not going to just be having one meal, they're going to have a good feast, and then they're going to go back for some more. Can I say, God wants us to approach the Word of God with the same hunger and desire because we're feeding our inner man, we're feeding our spirit man, we're renewing our minds, we're being changed and we're getting, how many want to get healthy, not just on the outside but on the inside, then we have to have all the nutrients that the Word of God's going to give us. If we want to grow in knowing who God is, we need to keep feeding on the Word of God. And then, you know, we can come for maybe a bigger meal, like on a, on a Sunday, you know, in, in the first church that Peter sets up, straight after they've got this big revival and 3,000 converts are there, they've been baptized, and it says the first thing that those early Christian converts did, the first thing that they gave themselves to, it says they devoted themselves to the, say it with me, the uh, apostles' teaching. And in that context, it would have been the apostles teaching from the Word of God, but it would have, if you like, live mouth-to-mouth, ear-to-ear preaching. There is a dynamic that happens when we receive the Word of God through preaching. Let's come expectant, as I hope you are right now, saying, God, speak to me week by week, and then let's take that teaching into our groups, and let's feed on the Word of God. And what's happening is we're putting ourselves where God can grow us up spiritually. Amen? And then, as you'll have seen in the early part of the service, we've put together a whole website now 
to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord and living in freedom and community and making a difference. And so why not, you know, one of the first actions out of this, this uh, message, go back and register on the website and, you know, go to the, the, the Knowing God section and go to Growing in Knowing God. And there's a whole bunch of stuff on how to read the Bible and apps that you can get, you can download and ways that you can get the most out of the Word of God. Let's be people who not just... Um, know about the Bible, but let's feast on the Bible and let, us do it, let, it, let it do us good. Amen? And I'd encourage you, do it at least daily. You say, yeah, but when I, when I read the Bible, I don't always feel that much. If we are short-term in our thinking, we'll never change. You know, babies don't immediately sort of start sprouting bigger fingers the moment they have one, one feed, do they? They feed and they feed and they feed and they feed and they grow. Can I just say, keep feeding in the Word. Keep studying the Word. Keep journaling. Keep meditating on the Scripture. Keep declaring out. You watch. You will grow spiritually, healthily, if you dedicate yourself to feasting on the Word. So everywhere can we say, let's feast on the Word. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate the Word to you. And that takes me to the second and hopefully the shorter part of this message and everybody said you're too polite <laughs> feast on the word that's the first part of growing in knowing God in, in this age secondly be filled with the spirit can we say that be filled with the spirit see Peter was almost best place of everyone to know the importance of this see he had seen Jesus in his earthly ministry he heard Jesus in the sort of Last Supper discourses in John 14 to 16, prepare them for his going to the Father and say things like, I've got to go, but I'm going to send another helper to be with you. And by the way, guys, I know you can, you know, I, this is my, me paraphrasing. You might find it hard to understand, but it's better for you that I go because when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to be with you, and he's not just going to be with you, he's going to come inside of you. So rather than me just being with you when we're physically in company, you're going to have me present and the Father present and the Spirit present 24-7 because he's going to be with you all the time. So Peter, Peter's drawing attention to the, 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 the role of the Spirit. And so not surprisingly, if you look at the early chapters of Acts, Jesus has promised the Spirit. He goes to the Father. What do they do? They have a 10-day season of asking God for the Spirit. We've just had a 30-day season. God's into prayer seasons. Amen? And then after that 10 days, many of you know the story, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down and he fills them. The heavens are opened and the... <laughs> and if there's not so much sound of rain, but there's wind and there's fire... And they all are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they speak with these wonderful languages that God's given them. And they, they're, they're praising him. And, and Peter's there. And I just want you to hold this thought for a minute. That is taking place around the vicinity of the physical temple. So here you're having God's glory coming, filling people in and around the area of the physical temple in Jerusalem. <clears throat> you say, wasn't that wonderful? Yeah. Some of you say, well, yeah, but I've been filled with the Spirit. Well, I'm glad you have. If you haven't, you can be. Because two chapters later, we see the story continues. They have 
really what we would call like a major move of the Holy Spirit. People are getting saved, miracles are happening. Peter and John in particular get persecuted. They come back, they get released. And the first thing they do is they come together with the church. They start praying together. And it says, as they were praying and asking God for more, because you know there's more. As they're praying together, the Holy Spirit comes in their midst. And not only do they get filled again, but the place where they were meeting was shaken. How many like us to see those days in the UK where we're seeing churches and, and homes home shaken by the power of God? But the point is that they were refilled. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a one-off experience. It's an ongoing dynamic of being filled with the Spirit. Keep being filled with the Spirit, Peter would say. And then in his letter um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, almost reflecting on the importance of the Spirit, he would say this, God is building you, and let's, let's hear this, Kingsgate, Cambridge, Leicester, London, Peterborough, wherever you're gathered. God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. I want to pause and reflect on the wonder of that truth for a moment. I, I'm reminded of our sabbatical trip that we took last Last year, 2017, amongst other things, we visited Jerusalem. We went to the site of what's known as the Wailing Wall or the Western Wall, where it's like the remains of the Second Temple. It's a sacred place. Jews pray there to this day. And I visited before, but what we hadn't seen was that you can now go sort of underground and you can end up at a place right where they reckon it's adjacent to where the Holy of Holies would have been. I remember touching that wall and thinking, oh my word, somewhere on that site, very close to where I was, if we go right back to the first temple, Solomon would have prayed and the glory of God would have filled that first temple. The very holy of holies, the Shekinah glory of God would have, as it were, physically come down into that spot. And as I was wondering in the history of it and the, the significance of the location, this thought just came to my mind. I said, yeah, that's wonderful. God came to a physical location. But here I am, Dave Smith, a 21st century Gentile Christian. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God's glory lives on the inside of me. And then I thought about all of you. The immediate thought was, <clears throat> and I'm part of a company. I'm part of a spiritual temple. And still am and thrilled to be. And as we work together and we pray together and we unite together and we worship together and we gather together and we go together. We are God's holy temple on the earth. We are now, like Peter said, living stones being built into a spiritual temple. That means every time we come together, we can expect that God will manifest his glory to us because we're his house. We're not just worshiping somebody who was in the past Yes, we, we're to honor the word of God, but we're not just reading about, we're not just the people of the book, we're people of the word and the spirit. We have the presence of the living God on the inside of us. What does that mean? It means that prayer and worship and spending time with God is not just something I do. 
It's about a living, dynamic relationship with a loving, living God who lives on the inside of me. And 24-7, he's there. When I'm asleep, he's still, he's still working. When I'm awake, we can have communion, not just in set times of prayer, although I passionately believe in them, but we can have a living, growing relationship. Can you see how much more there is? First picture Peter gives in this verse is a picture we're the temple. Why don't we just thank God and honor his presence? Lord, we thank you right now for your living, breathing, glorious presence in our lives and amongst us right here, right now. Peter goes on and gives the second picture. We're a spirit-filled temple who need to keep being refilled, but we're also spirit-filled priests. I don't know what your picture of priests are, but let me tell you what Peter says here. What's more, you, who's he talking to? Not a special group who are set apart wearing particular clothes. He's talking to all Christians everywhere. He's saying, you are holy priests who offer the spiritual sacrifices that please him because of Jesus Christ. If we go back to the Old Testament, to be a priest was a big deal. And only a few of you from a one tribe would have been able to be priests. And even then, because God's presence was so holy, you had to minister at the temple, but not go right into that inner sanctum, that holy of holies that I just talked about. There was only one guy, a high priest, who was able to go into that holy of holies once a year. And yet here is Peter saying, that we all are believer priests. And that because Jesus Christ, our great high priest, has gone into that heavenly holy of holies, has shed his blood on the mercy seat, has torn, as it were, the, 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 the dividing wall, so we can go in 24-7, have access. Do you realize what a privilege it is yeah. to, <clears throat> excuse me, to worship God? So not only has God come to us and lives in us, by the Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we have the privilege somehow in the mystery of God, by the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, we can minister to him. How amazing is that? And Peter goes on in, I'm glad, by the way, we don't have to give blood sacrifices because Jesus' blood is shed. But we can make sacrifices of praise and prayer and ministry to the poor and giving and serving. They, they are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And Peter goes on in the, <clears throat> the next part of the chapter and says that we have the privilege. We are called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. I don't know about you, but no matter what's going on in my life, whether it's an easy season or a tough season, whether I'm filled with blessings or aware of challenges, I never get tired of giving worship and praise to the God who's called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I'm thrilled to be teaching on this right now because I believe we are in a very significant season. As you know, we've been here <laughs> for 30 years. We've had many seasons of seeking God. And in those seasons, God has done great things because God is faithful. When you seek him, when you draw near, he comes to us. But from this last 30 days, 
something different seems to be happening. Not only are we hearing, you know, beginning to hear some amazing miracle stories and provision and jobs and we're hearing, of course, as you would expect, people getting refreshed in their walk with God. But what I believe is different is I'm hearing everywhere I go people saying, and we want to press in for more, and we're continuing. I'm hearing about people continuing to say, I, d- I may not just be doing a total fast, but I want to live a fasted life. And, you know, we've got to a certain level in our relationship with God. You know, we started interceding more regularly. We don't want to stop. Met, met a couple, said, you know, we, we started praying together more, and we're continuing it. In my small group, I went round the guys, every single one. God has not just done something, but is doing something. And I thought, why should we be surprised? Because we are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we have a Holy Spirit who wants to draw us into a deeper relationship with the Father and the Son. Can I say, seeking God and growing God is not for a 30-day season. It's for a lifetime, and it's for all eternity, because that is why we were made. So let's press in. Beyond these 30 days. Let's press in in growing knowing God. Visit the website. Feast on the the word. Load yourself up with resources on prayer and worship and seeking God. And realize that the word of God and the spirit of God are going to point first and foremost to the ultimate revelation of God in Jesus Christ. And do you know what Jesus Christ is going to do? He's going to continue to do what he did in his earthly ministry. He's going to point to his Father and our Father. Because although God is a creator, he is holy, he is awesome, he's a judge, he's righteous. Do you know what he is first and foremost? He's a Father. He's a Father. Last night I um, woke up and it was me was just hot and my mind was buzzing and I had one of those kind of almost two hour stretches where I was desperately trying to go back to sleep how many know when you will yourself to go to sleep yeah anyway so I thought this isn't working and as I was just kind of listening I I I heard almost from on the inside that I'm taking was the Holy Spirit's prompting words of a song that we sing I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and in that moment with things going on in my mind and desperate to get sleek because I didn't want to come like this today. <laughs> I started kind of quietly reminding myself of the truth of that glorious song from which that line comes. Lord, you're a good, good father. And I'm loved by you. And, and you say, well, didn't you already know that? Of course I knew it. But how do you know that a relationship with God is not what we knew, it's what we're living in right now. And as I started refreshing myself in the wonderful truth of the, the goodness of my Father, I started resting and things that I was maybe holding a bit too tightly, I, I re-surrendered to the Lord. And then I, I got out my, I, I sometimes do Bible readings morning, evening, and sometimes at night, and I, I got them over, uh, got my little nighttime thing, and I read that, and I went back and I slept like a baby. <laughs> Because first and foremost, we're sons and daughters of the living God. And I share that because I, I just think there's a whole bunch of people here who is a core foundation, you need to be reminded, that when it comes to knowing God, the number one reason Jesus came was not just to save us from sin, not just to get us somewhere in the future, 
but to usher us into the same relationship that he has with his heavenly father because that's the core and the essence of who we are as human beings. And Without that, nothing else really makes sense. So I want to just say welcome again into the presence of a good, good father. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your glory and your goodness and your majesty. Lord, we thank you that there's always more. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would inspire us and encourage us, every single one of us, to go on a new adventure, whether it's for the very first time or whether we've been on the journey for years. May we pursue you like never before. Thank you that we have the assurance that when we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So we welcome you, we worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Isn't God good?